When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome, everyone. To the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. You see, whilst the other Cultaholic lads are looking at what has gone on in the wrestling world in 2019, as we watch the ratings for Raw gradually dip, we go back in our Ica Pro Power DeLorean when it wasn't the ratings that were dipping, it was the interest altogether. And who be we? Well, I be fake Geordie, radio presenter, slightly scarred by watching Game of Thrones just now, Tom Campbell. I be with the bear in the big blue bar cage who has a pencil made of dragon glass. And he's not even a Nightwalker, right? And he snapped it in half, did nothing to his hands, took a pen because he gets it right every time. There's Justin Henry in America. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Game of Thrones reference, in it. You don't watch it, do you? No, I'm, I'm blissfully out of the loop. You know what? You do well to because I, I genuinely feel exhausted by the episode that I've yeah. just watched. Um, it's the best way to describe it in terms of like a wrestling parlance is that episode was a bit like uh, watching a Royal, a Royal Rumble. In the sense that you kind of know who's coming and going. You don't know who's going to outlast, who's going to survive it all. It, it's basically a TV version of that, but with a lot more gore and horror. Uh, no spoilers, though, but whoo, it's quite so, quite the episode. So does that mean the like, old part-timers show up and, and take part in the battles? Like, say, Cliff Clavin from Cheers or maybe... Uh... <laughs> Moses lacking the Simpsons. I love the idea of the gates to King's Landing opening. Evening, everybody. No! <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible. But I anyway. Mean, I watched the show if Cliff was on it, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Justin, how are you this week? I am doing quite well, although I have to admit that I pretty much slogged through this episode here because I was half dead from writing a script for a Mick Foley career retrospective, which should be out ne- about this time next week. And I had, I, I watched this for all afterwards and not the most exciting episode. I'm sure you'll agree with that. that Absolutely. It was uh, quite the, quite the slog this end as well, but excited about a Mick Foley career retrospective on the Cultaholic YouTube channel soon. That'll be good. Uh, yes. The Ric Flair one just went up today. and That was a lot of research because Flair had a, Whew, he had a long career. I love the work that you and Jack and who else is working with you on these as well? That would be our editor, Owen Molson. And big love to Owen as well. Another one of the legends that are putting these things together. You can watch them on our YouTube channel right now. But hey, look, it's not all fun and games working at Cultaholic. Sometimes you have to chronologically critique. Thank you, OSW Review. Really old, boring episodes of Monday Night Raw. And here we are. But when and where are we, Justin? It is Monday, November 15th, 1993, the day before my 10th birthday. It was taped one week earlier at the Fernwood Resort in Bushkill, Pennsylvania. Oh, seen it, Bushkill. We're back in Bushkill, baby. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> and happy 40th episode, Justin. 
I think I said happy 40th birthday. Like you were doing horrible math there. Like, <laughs> like well, he was 10 then. I'm only, I'm only 35. Jesus. <laughs> wow. You're, it's something when you're 10 going on 40. Yeah, it's like that movie, uh, what was that one, Jack with uh, Robin Williams? Oh, that's but a great film. Forgot all about that one until just now. <laughs> you see, this is how you know when a bad episode of Raw happens, because we will try and talk about anything else other than the episode of Raw. <laughs> we segue like Brock Lesnar suplexes. <laughs> um, but we kick off the 40th episode of Raw with a, a nice recap of Savage and Crush using what looks like an Instagram filter. Yeah, it's like a sepia spinach filter. It looks kind of old-timey, but at the same time, it looks like someone peeping. Like someone pissed all over the uh, the film reel and, and like smattered glass on it. Like, I'm doing a very bad description of the um, of that one Metallica album cover reload. <laughs> that's the that's the kind of look that you're you're imagining here. See, that's how boring this show is. I'm trying to make it. <laughs> I have a question. I have a question then that is away from the uh, the dullness of this show. Okay. The Monday Night Raw intro from from nineteen ninety three. Why mm-hmm. is Damien Demento still so prominent in it? Because they haven't updated it since week one. <laughs> they haven't, have they? It's just funny. I think I counted about three times where Damien Demento popped up in it. Tom, this. This is a show that has given us the same action figure ad with Kerry Von Erich long after his passing. And so they finally realized, hey, you know, I might want to edit this and put in some modern guys like Virgil and Hulk Hogan. And... <laughs> IRS. <laughs> yes, that's, that's it. We need to update this. And... So they're a little bit behind on, well, a lot of things. That's very true. That's very true. But it did make me chuckle how much I saw Damien Demento in the opening once again. Yes, but we do have Savage and Crush doing $9 worth of damage to the Fernwood Resort. <laughs> I quite like... enjoyed watching their um, destructive bit from last week again. I thought it was actually a really good bit of telly. Oh, it, it was definitely a great angle, and it was unfortunately Savage's last uh, notable angle in the company, as we'll soon find out. On this week's episode, there is no Randy Savage due to his suspension. He's not on commentary, and uh, it's just Vince and Heenan flying as a duo. And because we voted for it, as Vince notes many, 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 many times, we, the people, have decided that Lex Luger should be the one to face Quaker Pierre. So in our feature match tonight, we have Lex Luger versus Pierre from the Quebecers. And you put something on Twitter a few days ago. At least it feels like a few days ago. It may have been today. Uh, um, an amazing a... statistic about this match. Yeah. Yes, because as of this past weekend, Quebecer Pierre, who you may know today as PCO, as we've as we've noted many times, he and Villain Enterprises partner Brody King won the restored 2019 Crockett Cup. And Pierre's opponent in this match is one of the co-winners of the 1988 Crockett Cup, Lex Luger. How incredible. Xerox of fate, my friend. So we come to the opening match. It is Intercontinental Champion Razor Ramon taking on the Brooklyn Brawler. And uh, it's at this point that we have kind of an uncomfortable moment for those who know the real-life story, although on the show the backstory is pretty much glossed over. Uh, Shawn Michaels has been reinstated. That's not the uncomfortable part. (laughs) He's been out of action for two months after he walked out on the company after he allegedly failed a, a drug test for steroids, but he claimed that it was either a tainted sample, that he didn't do anything, and in protest he went away for a bit. But now he's been coaxed back, and he's actually taken the place of Jerry the King Lawler in the Hart Family versus Lawler in the Night Survivor Series match because Lawler, as Vince noted, is having some legal problems, and he left it at that. And for the rest of the show, Jerry Lawler is scrubbed completely. As if Vince got to put out some mops, some bleach, some Brillo pads, whatever he needed, and he has scrubbed Jerry Lawler out of the show entirely, and you will not hear from him for another four months. Now, do we want to delve into what these legal troubles were? If I read the two lines from his Wikipedia entry, would that be sufficient? Enough? I think that would be perfectly sufficient. Okay, it says very simply here. 
1993, Lawler was indicted on charges of allegedly raping a 15-year-old girl, which caused him to miss Survivor Series 1993. The charges were later dropped after the alleged victim admitted she fabricated the story. Well, there you go. And this is why a, a major match at Survivor Series is gone, and this is why we don't see Jerry Lawler until WrestleMania season. In fact, in fact it was WrestleMania Sunday that he returned. He's not seen it all throughout January, February, March, until the 20th of, of March in that year. He, he turns up as Vince's partner for that night, and that was his return. But they tease it's little Richard, don't they? Because they, cause I, see, I remember the ring announcer saying, please welcome the king. And then Jerry Lawler's music hits, and we go, wow, Jerry Lawler's there. And after Bobby Heenan leaves at, at the very onset, onset of December, we have guest commentators every single week going forward. Some good. Some not so good. So and from a presentation standpoint, it was good that Lawler came back because it gave them a consistent voice for the shows. So Someone how many actually... guest commentators do you do you reckon that we're going to get over the next few months? Well, after he even leaves, it's probably – well, some did multiple episodes. Like I know Jim Cornette's going to do a few, thankfully, because he'll add some levity and gravitas to the shows. Um, I'd say minimum of ten. Wow. Okay. Well, I've had an idea. Okay. I, I'm I'm working on a little something called the Bartlett Heenan scale. Okay. So what so. we're going to do is for all these commentators that we get, we are going to assemble them somewhere on the Bartlett Heenan scale. Obviously, Bartlett being at the very end. God love you. And Heenan being at the very top. So basically it's like the Saffir Simpson scale, except yeah. it measures bad commentary. Exactly. Or, it's the Bartlett Heenan commentary. scale. Okay, so Bartlett being zero, Heenan being ten. Gotcha. So we'll and we'll what we'll do is we'll put their face we'll make a little graphic and we'll put their faces where they sit as we roll <laughs> along. And we'll have some very, very uh wasn't very disparate entries onto this scale because if, if I recall, some, like I said, are very, very good, and some may, may actually have the scale renamed with their name being the first name on it. <laughs> may actually make Rob Bartlett look like uh, 1998 Jerry Lawler. Well, we'll see if anybody drops under the Bartlett when we uh, when, when we start assembling names on the scale. We may need to rename it. Some matches do have negative stars. <laughs> and I'm thinking of one right now. I'm not going to say who it is. I'm not going to say what episode it takes place on, but I think there is one who is so historically bad, and I and I like this guy, that he never did commentary on Raw again. Wow. So, Razor versus Brawler. This is your just your bog standard squash match. Brawler almost hits Razor with the Intercontinental belt at the start of the match. Yeah, he gets the jump on him. I guess just trying to spice it up a little bit. It's hour two of the taping. Not counting dark matches, so it's taking like hour two and a half. And at this point, he starts building the Sean Razor Intercontinental Title rivalry. He's trying to work Sean back into the storylines, saying that you know Sean never lost a belt, and that would be the crux of their angle. Vince, meanwhile, is building the hell out of the Brett Sean confrontation at Survivor Series. They have not faced off in a year, but boy, are they going to try to convince you that the main thing here is that Shawn Michaels is the one who's been insulting the Hart family this entire time. Well, that's it. They've got to work very quickly to retcon this uh, this arrangement. And I don't think they do a too bad a job, really. I think as long as you can give just, just a crumb of a justification for why Shawn Michaels is in this situation. Next week, when you, myself, and John Eiley are watching Survivor Series Showdown as a group, I'm going to have to explain to you the most complex edit that WWE ever had to make and try to make it make sense for you guys. Oh, okay. I'm excited. They have to undergo drastic measures <laughs> with the footage that they have available to make Survivor Series make sense. And in a way, it's kind of funny. You, and you almost have to admire the job that they did because, I mean, to be fair, their backs are against the wall given the situation. And we've given them hell throughout this year for, for – Bad editing, bad audio quality, bad transitions. This one, under the circumstances, all they had was duct tape and whatever else at their disposal, <laughs> but they did their best. 
This is, I just picture them laying out all the, the bits they have to work with, like the guys on the ground in Apollo 13. <laughs> right, we've got to build an oxygen tank out of this. <coughs> it is very MacGyverish. Vince MacGyver. <laughs> Vince MacGyver. John? John. <laughs> That's an easy one. Let's imagine Vince... Imagine Vince defusing a bomb with two hockey tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna kill us all, damn it! So the, the match ends kind of out of nowhere. Brawler drops his head for a backdrop. Razor casually walks into the Razor's Edge as if he's just walking his dog through the park on a Sunday morning. Hooks Brawler up, drops him with the edge. One, two, three. As basic as basic can be. I have two thoughts on Razor. Um, okay. Love okay. the hot pink. Yes, that's a great look for the time. Yeah, big fan of Hot Pink Ramon. And also, do you not think that the Razor's Edge is a very cumbersome move to to hit? By that I mean that it's it just seems like it takes him ages to get them into position. And it seems quite clunky. It doesn't seem like a very clean move to do. Because it always seems like he's fighting to get them in position. Well... I guess that's true. It does take a lot of maneuvering to have him in the right spot. But I guess you know, you'll see, you know, Razor is strong enough to where the guy can't muscle him. And, and once they're going up, you know, they're going back down in a hurry. So it's not like, you know, there's really a chance for a counter, per se. Although the Brett did counter at that, at that one Royal Rumble. That's but, I mean, true. I just always just find that when he's trying to hit it in, in the, the early to mid-90s, it's, it always looks like he's struggling initially. <laughs> That's true also, but at least the payoff is nice. It's not like it ends with some very basic... It isn't like Wade Barrett's a Wasteland finisher, where it just looks like a transition move of some sort. Oh, God, it really did, didn't it? He's just dropping the, he's dropping the guy on the back of his head from a, from a fairly great height, so... It's a good finish to me. No, that's true. That's very true. The end justifies the means, as Machiavelli would say. So we go to a, a, a brief stand-up promo from Crush here, who put on new tights just to cut this promo. He has this weird laugh after every sentence. I don't get, I don't get why. But basically, he says that Randy Savage, after losing his commentary job due to attacking him, will lose even more if he crosses him ever again. This was nice. I like this from Crush. Nice, short, Crush. intense promo. Crush is very menacing. And even ends it with a brother. <laughs> the brother, I'm not your brother, brother. I'm not your brother, brother. brother. <laughs> I'm not your guy, buddy. I'm not your buddy, friend. I like to move it, move it. <laughs> and hey, we have a brand new Lord Alfred Hayes voiceover. I it's like the, Alfred Hayes survival. doing the voiceovers, you know. He had so much gravitas. A bit more authority and a bit, a bit more class to these uh, very over-the-top proceedings. He's a lot like Nigel in that sense. You just hear Nigel's voice in it. It just it, it lends credibility to what's going on. He could be reading off like you know like which which Nigel do you mean? McGinnis. Oh, Nigel McGinnis. Sorry, yes, of course. Who, who did you think I meant? I wasn't sure. Nigel Havers, maybe. I don't know. Who? Actor from off of England. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Genuinely, do you know what? Because I've just been watching. I think because my brain started a bit fried from Game of Thrones, and you went Nigel. I was thinking the actor uh, Nigel Havers, <laughs> Nigel McGuinness, of course it is. Yeah, I remember when uh, Nigel, whatever his name was, called ECW matches back in the day, and he really he might... got it over. <laughs> he might have just, how, <laughs> just how strong the pit bulls were, and, and and how conniving Raven was, and John. That's what Lord Alfred Hayes reminded me of. Nigel Havers, please. Nigel Haver's doing something wrestling-y. Thank you. EC dub. EC dub. <laughs> so Lord Alfred voices over the Survivor Series Showdown preview. Only one match in this preview, the world title match pitting Yokozuna against Bret the Hitman Hart. It's a pretty big match, though. Yeah, because it's the first time they've fallen since WrestleMania 9, and they all show what happened after Yokozuna beat Bret. Because somebody <laughs> they, else has been scrubbed the show completely. over that, haven't they? Yeah, 
History is written by the winners, or just the guys who control the video library. <laughs> Vince tells us, you don't want to miss Survivor Series Showdown. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> don't worry, Vince, we won't. In fact, we're going to get John to watch it with us. <laughs> yeah, because John's been bad for some reason. John Eiley, our head of Photoshop, has, has probably done something bad this week. So therefore, John, we are roping in to watch the Survivor Series Showdown with us. It's going to be a lot like Clockwork Orange where he pin his eyes open. <laughs> John, Photoshop yourself with your eyes pinned open. <laughs> Clock, Clockwork Orange Cassidy. <laughs> so we have the Razor Ramon Ico Parade, a brand new one, actually. In which he actually speaks instead of making that strange face while doing uh, barbell curls. They did miss a trick with the Scarface connection with Razor Ramon, where they should have just had a table covered in Icapro. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been incredible. <laughs> or have him at a restaurant and he starts taunting all the patrons about how they need a bad guy. They need someone they can point at and say, there, there's the bad guy. <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> have a chainsaw scene. Well, actually, this is a PG era. We can't really do that. Say hello to my little friend. They should have played Push It to the Limit, at least. They could have just they could have gone a little bit further with it. <laughs> just, I don't. I mean, I'm sure they would have. I reckon if they had Razor Ramon in a suit, Ica Pro just piled on a table, they'd have shifted it. <laughs> his face covered in white powder. <laughs> yes. Oh, this, talking this about his, talking about his base head wife. <laughs> Say good night to the bad guy. <laughs> He he's only he's only chair. the third best Scarface. I'll have you know. He's only the third best Scarface. I, I hope Pacino's number one. Pacino's number one, obviously. Michael Bolton's number two. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I look up Lonely Island featuring Michael Bolton and watch the music <laughs> video because there is a scene at the end which features Michael Bolton dressed as Scarface. If Pacino never did the movie, if the 1930s version never happened, and if Razor Ramon never existed, Bolton would still be number two. <laughs> it's still the best. So we go from Scarface to Beatface. That's the worst uh, transition I've ever made in my life. The, he the Head Shrinkers versus Mike Bucci and Mike Moraldo. Poor Simon Dean. Hey, speaking of supplements. Exactly. He could have been hocking the, the Ica Pro. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> Look at me, I'm happily in the mid-card. <laughs> and it's, it's during this match that, that something truly awful happens. Not in the ring, but on commentary. As Bobby Heenan tells us that Rio Rogers is on his way to the company. This is... Uh, now, I, I'm not familiar yet with the work of Rio Rogers, but I know who it is. Oh, you won't be familiar for very long. No. Because it's a, it's a very short-lived character. Rumor and innuendo... Is that Rio Rogers is played by Bruce Pritchard? Well, you know. <laughs> uh, yes, Get me Bruce up on Pritchard. this, Justin. Why did this happen? It's basically uh, Bruce Pritchard doing his Dusty Rhodes impression while covered in grime and soot, as if he's some sort of a uh, vagabond cowboy type, because he wanted to create a new character. And uh, it was pretty bad, and it didn't last. And I think even Bruce has admitted that it was a very ill-conceived idea. I don't think that Bruce does a podcast with Conrad where he talks at length about Rio Rogers. I believe he's mentioned him before. Good. And he he actually did a, 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 a very brief commentary job on I think it was All American back in the day, where he played the Wizard, where he wasn't even seen on camera. He was just some guy who spoke in uh, like this boisterous voice. It's like, what was wrong with Brother Love that we couldn't just have him? Exactly. Brother Brother Love is, is a already established, strong character. Why you need to muck about with it, I don't know. Uh, it was, I guess maybe because, you know, the 80s televangelism thing was kind of, you know, run its course a little bit. Wasn't Gary Spivey on the Psychic Friends Network at this point? Oh, yeah, because, you know, that, oh, that works so well. It, it, that... <laughs> <laughs> that more so than the New World Order is what shot WCW under the stratosphere. Was Gary, Gary Spivey. Spivey! Wow! Was Gary Spivey. 
That was Gary. <laughs> Good play there with the Gary Stridham. Uh, I think there's a big difference between Gary Stridham and Gary Spivey, though. I have to say, I got that from Jay Hunter from OSW Review when they reviewed that episode, and Gary Spivey turned up and he just goes, Gary Spivey! Wow! The best part of that bit is that Paul Orndorff knew who he was immediately. From the Psychic Friends Network? Oh, dear. Uh, if you wonder what we're talking about, um, it's an episode of night. Just, just look it up on YouTube. Paul Orndorff, Gary Spivey. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. And we're sorry in advance. I'm not. <laughs> as Wikipedia writes, or as is written on, as written on Wikipedia... He then appeared as Rio Rogers, a satire on Dusty Rhodes. Rogers did commentary from time to time in his short stint, and his interview segment, Rio's Roundup, lasted only two segments before the character was dropped. Hang on. That, I've just I've just figured out. I've just figured out. He was covered in dirt and soot. Some. He was. So he I was. Believe I so he was dusty. Actually, it wasn't really like so that he. It was almost like a, like a, a painted on hobo beard. Okay, I thought I thought I thought he'd taken it to the meta level and just turned up dusty. You're about to get something through your Facebook Messenger right now. Oh God! Actually, I'm just excited. actually screw it. Just Google image search Rio Rogers while I go on with this match a little bit. Sure thing. So Headshakers versus Bucci and Moraldo. The jobbers actually get a bit of offense with a combination crossbody drop kick. They try to pin, uh, I think it was Fatu at the same time. So they're kicking ass for a little bit. Vince actually accuses Hina at one point of wanting to do everyone's show with Hina and says, if the money's right. How true, <laughs> how, how true that would be soon enough. We get a point in the match where Mike Bucci, who is Nova and ECW in the future Simon Dean, gets his tights ripped, which is proof that, he, that his red tights over top of his silver Mylar singlet are sewn together. And I'm wondering who goes to a seamstress or a tights designer and demands that look exactly. And when you make sure that these uh, red tights are sewn to the singlet, I gotta look cool out there. It's quite the look. It's it's very much of a time. So, have you seen Rio yet? Yes, I have. Um, and <laughs> I'm a big fan of the drawn-on beard cowboy-esque chapped look but in googling rio rogers i found a picture of a tag team called the mulkey brothers and i think they're now my favorites you've never heard of the monkeys i've never heard of them i've just you've never you heard a of the picture monkeys. and they're Other now my favorite boys they were they were choppers in the nwa in the 80s they were awesome <laughs> And by, and by awesome, I, I mean they were the quintessential jobber tag team. I know, I, I know one was Randy Mulkey. Oh yeah, it was Randy and Bill Mulkey. Randy Mulkey. <laughs> do you know what I'm gonna do? Do you know what I'm gonna do? Right, we're gonna we're, since we drive an Ica powered DeLorean, we're gonna cross mm -hmm. the space time continuum right now. I've got the picture of the Mulkey brothers. I'm gonna send it to John Eiley on Facebook Messenger, who is active now. I'm gonna press okay. send. I'm gonna say. This will make sense when you listen to the show on Wednesday. <laughs> and even then, only barely. And even then, only <laughs> barely. Now, John is receiving that on Monday at 9.24 p.m., but he's now hearing this on Wednesday. <laughs> Time. <laughs> what? Why are we trying to screw with John before his big live commentary <laughs> debut with us? I don't know. I think he's just making use of the Ica Pro Powered DeLorean. I feel this is like rookie hazing of some sort. <laughs> is a little bit. He's all right. <laughs> yeah, except much more mean spirited. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Carry on. Weird... Carry on. Head shrinkers. <laughs> it's, it's okay. The monkeys are much more important than anything that goes on on this show. John, I was just sent back. I've heard of the Mulkey Brothers. Mulkey Mania. <laughs> Hell yeah. John, Photoshop Mulky Mania. I've not sent that in Messenger. You will hear this now. <laughs> I am a real Mulky Maniac. I, I am a Mulky Maniac right now. I'd, I'd rather be here than Planet Stasiac. <laughs> <laughs> Mulky Maniac. 
but but <laughs> but alas, goddamn monkeys. That was the name of their cartoon series on a Saturday morning. The goddamn monkeys, <laughs> always catching the pigeon. It was like it was like wacky races, but with more mullets. <laughs> Mulky races. Anyway, come on, crack on. Stop, stop talking about the Mulky brothers. <laughs> yes, let's go to the Samoan cousins. Yay! Samu gets in a weird spot where he rubs Mike Bucci's face sympathetically. I have no idea what that was about. Yeah, Simone Splash. Simone Splash finishes. The crowd kind of cheers noticeably. I think the shrinkers are over, brother. And and then they. They start kissing, kissing his feet, at the end of the match. I didn't see that part. So I must is, have like blacked out. Is it Bucci? Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last twenty-five years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. They they pin. Uh yes. If you watch it back, and you'll see they'll they finish, and then Seeker, Arthur, sorry, no, um, Samu, 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 Samu starts kissing Mike Bucci's boot. Very weird moment. Do you have a foot fetish? It must. There must be something they <laughs> sort of character development they're working on on the periphery. Because I was very confused. Commentators didn't really acknowledge it. It just kind of happened. Sammy ends up working at Gary's Shoes with Al Bundy. Some sort of weird hazing, maybe, of Mike Bucci. Sammy was the original Griff on Married with Children. It's the original Snitsky. <laughs> and we get a weird spot after the match where they show this girl in the crowd. She, she's a very young woman, probably maybe early 20s. And Vince goes, hello. <laughs> this is so... <laughs> it's just like a part of taping. I, I, I doubt they really care what's going on. They're kind of just slogging through this. They, I think even they know this is a long old taping. So would that bit have been on tape? I presume it would have been. <laughs> well, I'm not really sure it was on tape. This is probably, this is probably recorded the night of the, that it aired. You know, they're doing a live commentary over a tape show. That way they can reference news events of that day. Yeah, because you could tell some points where the, the live and the recorded sort of jumped in and jumped out. Yeah, that's something you got to keep in mind with these tapings is even if, if the tape was taped six weeks ago, you're watching the, you know, the, the, the action that took place six weeks ago, but Vince is talking about whatever happened that day in the news because commentary is recorded live. Mm-hmm. Or fairly live, close to live. As live almost. As live as can be. So we... We didn't have a genuinely cool segment here. The All-Americans have to replace Tatanka as their tag team partner. Luger and the Steiners come out, and Lex speaks of Tatanka as if he's dead. Mm. He's, he's going to be there that. Why is he talking like he died? 
he's laying on that cart, bring out your dead. He's like, I'm not dead. No, you're stone dead. That's, that is a wonderful Monty Python reference. I'm feeling better. <laughs> I feel I happy. <laughs> so it's superstars, and I notice this because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a giant nerd. It's Vince and Heenan dubbing over new commentary as if they were calling superstars because somebody else's voice would have been on there originally calling this when it happened. Oh, name redacted. Yes. Uh, law culture. Uh... King culture. <laughs> and it is... The replacement partner is The Undertaker, who comes out and cuts as patriotic a promo as a shambling corpse could possibly cut. It's actually not a bad promo, but the best part is the reveal. Oh my god, the... that reveal. This blows <laughs> my mind. Of the lining of his duster, when he pulls it open, he has the old Betsy Ross 13-star flag on the inside lining of his um, of his old West duster. That was a hell of a look. <laughs> I I don't know how I feel about Undertaker, dead body, shambling out saying, I like how proud you are of America. So I'll stand with you. And then he's got the American flag under his coat. This is the original American badass. <laughs> yeah, this is. This is where the American badass began. Which <laughs> is quite exciting. What's the what's the purpose of it being a slightly different flag? That was the Betsy Ross flag when it was the 13 colonies. Right, okay. Because the 50 stars in the flag are the 50 states, and they, they just add new stars to it eventually. Okay. So we got the 50 with, with Hawaii in 1959. So the original 13, I live in one of those colonies, New Jersey. We were the third state in the Union. The first was Delaware, which gets rolling in 97, I believe. So we'll make the, some sort of reference to the first state then or not. I'll probably forget about it by then. But yes, Undertaker is now the new partner for the All-Americans. He has this swank-ass Betsy Ross duster on. But why is he wearing a Betsy thought. Ross duster? I'll tell you why, because f*** Missouri, that's why. <laughs> that's, that'll do for me. That's a good enough reason for me. Oh, the American badass lives. <laughs> in the past. In the 1700s. <laughs> I'm okay with Vermont and New Hampshire, but Missouri and Michigan, no. <laughs> they can rest in peace. <laughs> some kids, the old some, way. some kids outside just tearing around the freeway, trying to crash their cars. <laughs> they can meet the Undertaker. <laughs> the British are coming. He tries to kill Davy Boy. <laughs> I quite like him being like old, old America Undertaker. That's <laughs> why I threatened Regal so much in 01. <laughs> tried to menace him. That would be brilliant. <laughs> Pete. I have, like Pete Dunne in the tri-corner hat. Oh, going to battle with that'd be ace. That, please. <laughs> he uses his musket to shoot Taker's fingers off. <laughs> John, um, I hope you're writing this down, mate, because you're freestyling Photoshop for this bit. <laughs> no country for old Undertaker. And I apologize to the state of Missouri. As an Eagles fan, thank you for Jeremy Macklin. Um, <laughs> Lex Luger... Versus, he is not human, PCO, a.k.a. Quebecer Pierre. This was a long match. Do you know who I think the hardest worker was in this particular segment? Are you going to say Johnny Polo? No, it was the fan in the second or third row that had a, a, a sign made using a dot matrix printer. Because <laughs> that must have taken hours to print. And Is even Lex Luger, the... as he gets in the ring, Lex Luger, <laughs> I swear to God, Lex Luger enters to the enters the ring, looks, stands on the steps, looks out to the crowd, sees this kid holding up this dot matrix printed sign, and Luger looks genuinely impressed. <laughs> Is this the one with the uh, long paper and the bullet hole side borders <laughs> that, get, that gets torn off? Yep, that's the one. Yeah, I have one of those 20-something years ago that my dad got us for Christmas one year. And you know how long they take to print. Yep. Wamp, 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 I'll never forget getting a color printer. That was like a game changer. You could now write, we love America, in all the colors of the Betsy flag. 
<laughs> we hold these truths to be self-evident. Hang on. I'll we'll make the next taping. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you guys are back in six months. Okay, we'll be there for that show. <laughs> it should be nitty ready by then. Vince keeps reminding us that we voted for Luger. Yes, thanks, asshole. <laughs> you had your choice of him or three guys who don't win very often. But it had to be Luger because he's our boy. Because had we put him against Savage, Brett, and Undertaker, we wouldn't have liked the result probably. <laughs> There's a funny part here. I'm not sure if you caught this. Where Vince is discussing the poll. And he mentions that the people on the West Coast who voted are going to get a rebate. Did you catch that? I didn't hear that bit, no, but I do like it. Do you, you understand why? No. Okay. It took me a moment, but I figured it out. You see, when Raw airs on the East Coast and Central Time, which is like Chicago, New Orleans, all, all those cities, the West Coast airing in like L.A., Seattle, all those places comes later in the night. They get it at 9 o'clock their time. So they, so, uh, And it's still true today. People, uh, I have friends down the West Coast who watch Raw after me because it's, aired, it's a three-hour time difference. So on Raw last week when they had the poll, when Luger won the poll, it was announced in show that he won. So people on the – I don't know how they didn't figure this out before they even ran this poll. Had it been like, you know, like a one-week thing, like, we'll tell you next week who won the poll, then it would have been okay to include the West Coast people. But because it was already resolved by 9.45 Eastern time, two hours and 15 minutes before people in, in L.A. watched the show, there was no reason for them to vote because the poll's already over. And it was a 900 number, so they got ripped off. How yeah, does... that, that seems really quite obvious. <laughs> So, you all get refunds. Don't worry, Vince. Going, God damn, it's probably Bruce's idea. <laughs> this is still them finding, 40 weeks in, this is still them finding the sides on how this live TV malarkey works. Yeah, and, and, and as I said, it'd have been okay if they had just, like, you know, waited a week to announce the winner. Like, at the start of this week's show, and Lex Luger won the poll or whatever, or, or, or put on Superstars on Saturday. So, hey, for everyone who voted for Monday night, just. But they really screwed everyone out west who called in like, oh, I want Doink to win. See, that, that's what happened. Everyone in L.A. voted Doink. That's what I thought. He's very much a, an L.A. kind of guy, is Doink. And they were going to keep the poll going, but then they realized we better fudge it so Luger wins because everyone in you know, Amherst, Massachusetts loves Luger or whatever. <laughs> Doink got screwed. Justice for Doink. We are all Doink today. We are because this because the match that PCO and Luger have goes on for about twelve years. Yes, and Which it wasn't avoid talking about it. That isn't to say there was a terrible match. It just it was interminable. It was fine. It was just yeah. It was just long. <laughs> and it was like a five minute match extended to like twenty. If this had been five minutes, it would have been Smash Mouth and brilliant. I mean, Bobby Heen was brilliant when he discussed uh, uh, Johnny Polo or Avocado Polo bashing Luger's temple with a croquet mallet. That would have livened up the match. He did come out, didn't he? Johnny Polo was active around the ring and he was mucking about, but it was. Uh... He was he... like. I'm sorry? Did he get chased off? I'm trying to remember now. He, he got knocked out later on. He did. Because they had to set up Luger's finish. So, now keep in mind, this is a tape show here. So they, so they control how the commercial breaks are pretty much, pretty much. Pierre has Luger in a camel clutch. Luger's doing the old Hulk Hogan power-up out of the Iron Sheet camel clutch, where he pulls his legs in starts to stand up. It's a dramatic moment, and as he's getting up, we'll be back after this commercial break! What a weird place to go to a break! Not only that, but when they came back, Luger's unconscious face down, and, <laughs> and Pierre has him in the Tito Ortiz rear naked choke. Is it almost... Is it like how you'll go to a break in a drama as the, like maybe the good guy's about to lose, or maybe 
the good guys figured out something. So they want the, they want you to come back to see whether he does it. But it doesn't make any sense because it just kills the heat at the moment. It's the end of a Batman episode from the 60s. <laughs> that, that, I'm try, I was just trying to figure out why in their head this made sense. Can the Cape Crusader escape the clutches of, of this Quebecer clutch? Will Lex Luger be able to see next week? Will he make it to Survivor Series? Tune in. Same Lex Express time, same Lex Express channel. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor, Housewives Love, Lex Luger's All-American Dish Soap. <clears throat> he uses like a pro. That's why he might break out of the camel clutch next week. I don't know. Tune in and find out. No, <laughs> no spoilers. Very odd cut. Yeah, very, very arbitrary and random. And the, the weird part, if you come back and Luger's, uh, it's just completely motionless. Like he's been critical on Fire Pro. <laughs> <laughs> and Pierre's, and Pierre's checking him for lice, apparently. So Pierre misses the cannonball. Lex makes the Superman comeback. Polo tries to intervene. Luger bashes him. So the referee gets tied up with Polo's uh, dead body for a moment, which allows Luger to hit the very, very illegal forearm which shows that P PCO is, in fact, human because he's not unconscious by this. Luger wins. Decent, if epic length. And Pierre's apparently unconscious from that blow. Yeah, they really he really sells this because they even go to another break. And when they come back, Pierre is still out cold. <laughs> now, this is one of those things where you can tell that the, the, the State Athletic Commission was not involved in the show in any way. Because they bring a stretcher out for Pierre. Polo and Jacques are out there, are obviously very concerned. The people who were assisting Pierre, there's no medics, not even like you know, any any sort of person who's a, who's like a non WWE employee, like a, like a like a non playable character. It's Tony Chimmel in a suit <laughs> and dangerous Danny Davis, and they just throw Pierre onto the stretcher. He could have a head injury. No care, no no love. Just hoy him on there, just take him back. Nowadays they bring the trainer out, they bring. Like uniform personnel out. I mean, even if it's a storyline, we're trying to trying to get over because it adds authenticity to it. Here it's just like you know, just throw them in the gurney. You know, throw them in over with a tatanka. Bring out your dead. Just very callous. <laughs> Imagine they brought out the gurney, and tatanka was still on it, covered in flies. <laughs> I'm all right. No, stay there. Put Pierre on top of it's you. A, it's just a skeleton with a red mohawk. <laughs> Just they might as well just bring out a wheelbarrow to put in everybody who is now off Survivor Series. <laughs> well, you mean besides Lawler, right? Besides Lawler, we can't mention name redacted. Yes, we can't mention law culture. <laughs> King culture. <laughs> King culture. That was it. <laughs> King comma culture. Yep, yeah, uh, redacted. Can we? Let's be. <laughs> And speaking of Survivor Series, since it, since it is, it is technically the go-home Raw for Survivor Series, we have this very hokey 1940s-style commercial featuring, like, comedy footage from that era in this person of Survivor Series hype. I never got these, and they did them a lot in the day, where it's like, like, here's a bunch of wacky stuff, and here's how cool we are by comparison. This is because it's Vince McMahon signing off on all this nonsense, and all of their... All their marketing bits. There's no, there's no consistency apart from the the word unbelievable. There's no, there's no continuity. And you see something like this, and you can tell that's Vince going, "Hey, that's what normal people do. This is what we do." It's not Vince. Stop what? it. It's like he's going. Even I know that's passe. So <laughs> let's put that in there. Show how cool we are by comparison. Like here's Dwight with a bucket. Ha! We're with the times. Great balls of fire. <laughs> oh, and by the way, today's the day that they announced that Backlash's new name. Did you hear what that is yet? Uh, is it the Viking Experience? <laughs> no, it's even worse. <laughs> Go on. Backlash is now called, I am not making this up, Stomping Ground. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I would have preferred if they called it the Viking Experience. <laughs> I would prefer if they called it Halloween Havoc in June. Stomping ground. I, I I don't get it. Like, see, at first I thought 
it's like another Jerry Lee Lewis song, like like you know, Great Balls of Fire and, and Fatal Four Way. This is the show that's after the Saudi show, isn't it? Yes. Hence why they wanted to lose the name Backlash to begin with. Yes, so instead of calling it We Love Lots of Money, they decided to call it Stomping Ground. Hmm. Maybe because Seth Rollins does the stomp? I don't know. Is it like in... Where's it? Where's the show happening? Do we know? Is it in? Is it in like old WWE stomping ground? Is it in MSG or something? I don't know. It is in Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> I can't even. I can't get me. I don't know what the ref. Oh, that's weird. Stomping ground. They should have had it in Bushkill, Pennsylvania. <laughs> they might as well have done. WWE. <laughs> Sorry about that money we took last month. Is it? You have it in Bushkill, Pennsylvania. It's like, and here's the part of the wall where Crush put Dave Hebner up against it when Randy <laughs> Savage uh, attacked him backstage, and, and they had a big brawl outside. And here's, and here's a tree where they fought underneath outside. It's still here 25 years later, and that concludes our tour. That would make more sense as a, as stomping ground. There has to be some logic to why they call it stomping ground. And I hope as we get closer to it, we figure it out. I'm just going to do a Seth Rollins stomp. That's pretty much all I could figure. Yeah, maybe. That'd be fine. That'd be fine. I'll tell you what's better than the fine. We have Diesel versus Sid Garrison. Oh, the artist sometimes known as Rip Sawyer. Really? Yeah. It's, it's, basically, he's, he's he's a jobber by two uh, nom de plumes, uh, Sid Garrison and Rip Sawyer. I mean, the win-loss record is pretty much the same for both. I was hoping it was, it was like Psycho Sid carrying Mr. Hat. <laughs> I mean, that's funnier. <laughs> I gotta say, although this probably was the best Diesel Sid match of all time. It would, yes. Da da da. Instead of a six foot nine man with ramen noodle hair and, and a propensity for cutting incredibly awesome promos, uh, he has a man. That he thinks are normal, but we think are awesome. We have a man with a tremendous red mullet and a singlet. He has half the mullet that we do. Yes. And it's at this point that Vince and Heenan bring up the fact that Rhea Rogers is going to be visiting the Hart parents. <sighs> Don't say I didn't warn you. Yeah, I... Bobby Heenan really sells this guy as something special. <laughs> Bobby don't care. Bobby will sell anything. Yeah, Bobby's here to get anyone over, and he will... Tr- even if he hates the guy, he'll do his best to get him over because he's a professional like that. But uh, this is all very, very futile because Rhea Rogers is – he's not going to last. So Vince starts plugging a Planet of the Apes marathon on USA called Apes All Night. I'm intrigued by this. So it's three I of the Planet of the Apes movies. films from back in the back in the day, isn't it? Yeah, the from Charlton Heston and then the post-Charlton Heston era. Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. But then Bobby Heenan references that Gorilla Monsoon's going to pop up in them. And have frontal nudity. Or no frontal nudity. Would you have watched if you knew Monsoon would be wandering around in those movies? Are you kidding? Of course. (laughs) Of course I would. I mean, anybody that watched wrestling like back in the 60s saw him also almost naked anyway. <laughs> the SRR signs went out early last week to see full frontal nudity here in this movie. <laughs> Will you be serious? Will you stop? <laughs> it's just one apron, sunglasses, these blue blockers. <laughs> We're having a good time here on Planet of the Apes. <laughs> it's it is a happening. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go punch Charlton Heston in the bread basket. <laughs> Boy, that'll give you a negative attitude. <laughs> John, you know what's coming. <laughs> Planet of the Apes Charlton with Gorilla Monsoon. A... I just want to talk about apes right now. I, I, I don't give no, a damn we should let's match. let's talk about Diesel and the cracking gut wrench power bomb. <laughs> it, the historically significant government power bomb that he hits on a what appears to be 
I'm like a giant version of Bob Seeger here. <laughs> so, long story short, Diesel takes his records off the shelf and hit and wins with an elbow drop. Yeah, that was a bit different. It was like a really good quality big boot, followed by a big old elbow drop. I'm thinking a year in advance, Vince realized that Diesel was going to be his new Hulk boot, and, and, and his figured his fish sequence would be the big boot, but have a leg drop to do an elbow drop. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, that was there was certain foreshadowing. <laughs> I'd be running on diesel power if I if I have my way. <laughs> so that's our last match of the night, and we have like eight minutes to kill here. So how has this happened? Is this just bad timing? Well, I I thought about it, and I I think I see what they were going for here. Because they had to explain Pierre's condition in the Survivor Series update. So rather than put the Luger Pierre match on first of the night, they put it on third, which was not which was not very sensible of them. And they had to put a match in between so that when the Pentangle came on with the update, they had to uh, give them to talk about, i.e. Pierre's injury. So all the matches are over, but we have to get this update in. So the so the last ten minutes of the show is just backfill with talk. Is Pierre's injury going to affect the team? Yes, it is. Right. Okay. Now, is this is this deliberate or is this them? Is is, is Pierre legit? He can't be legit injured because he just had like a, a four hour match with Luger. No, he's not legit injured. It's just their way of reconfiguring the show because we have some substitutions otherwise, and we got to get somebody else in there. And I'm going to tell you who it is right now. It's going to be the fourth man. It's going to be Crutch. Right, okay. That makes more sense. There's a way of just making some room for Crush. Yes, and uh, it'd been better to put Savage on your team. Maybe it would have made more sense that way, but they had to work Taker in there because it was forking a few of Yokozuna. So it's kind of a mishmash this show at this point. It's really disorganized. It really is. They do. They have been handed, in some cases, quite a bad hand, and in some cases, they've made problems for themselves. Yeah, but they make the most out of it, and it's uh, it's the best they could do under the circumstances. Like the whole Lawler thing was, I mean, what the hell do you do there? You just gotta you know, roll with it. And thankfully, Sean was able to come back and do what he did, and 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 be a part of that match. But it's uh. I gotta say that P- Pettengill reports that Pierre is concussed. How can he know that already? Yeah, that's a quite a quick diagnosis because sometimes a concussion takes a little while to come through. Todd is clearly a doctor. <laughs> Just the other day, I'm gonna go real world sports here. My Philadelphia Phillies have a shortstop named Gene Segura who got hit in the head with a pitch early in the game. He was hitting the helmet, not the actual, uh, actual bodily head, but he. Uh, he had to take out of the game for a possible, you know, concussion because he, he, he just got rocked like a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. We didn't know until the following morning that he passed, passed protocol and, and he was able to play on Sunday. So it's not like it takes 10 minutes, like, ah, oh, he's fine, you know, whatever. It takes time. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, the movie has their, you know, very rigorous uh, scientific methods for junk science, as Vince might say. <laughs> but it's, oh, Pierce can cause he's, he's screwed. He's definitely going to You can just tell. We just know. I got to say, the Undertaker's uh, shoehorn into the All-American team photo is fantastic. God, there's, there's some, <laughs> there is some quite magnificent Photoshop jobs in, in WWF at this point. It's almost like one of those creepy movies where the guy tries to replace uh, someone else in a family, so he cuts them out of all the photos and puts himself in there. <laughs> Under, I like, so are you suggesting that Undertaker did that himself yes it's like single wet taker <laughs> John <laughs> well, what's going to happen on Raw in December is Taker shows up with a, a red mohawk and, <laughs> and the moccasin boots and he's trying to kill Tatanka to be the new Tatanka <laughs> Undertonka yes Undertonka <laughs> thank you very much I'm here all week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dun, 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 Buffalo. 
<laughs> what have we become? <laughs> John, forget Tinga White Taker. We want un- <laughs> we want Untatonka. <laughs> As you were, John. So we uh we plug every match except for the Hearts Knights match because I guess Sean hasn't been photoshopping to the new graph. Yeah. yeah, we're still figuring out what's going to happen with that match. This show is just in disarray. And then Pet and Gill gets one of the most bizarre lines in WWE history that was intended to be unironic. Because we get footage of Bastion Booker making his entrance on that recent episode of Superstars or Challenge or whatever. And there's three doinks on, on, the, on the Jumbotron taunting him. It's the spell catches so It's me. It's the four doinks versus the big loose team. And Pengill says, and I'm quoting here, you just saw three doinks against one booger. <laughs> Which is uh, an early version of Two Girls, One Cup. You'll be ha- you'll, uh, excited to know. <laughs> <laughs> the one that we don't talk about. Cue the piano music. John, do not Photoshop that. No. You will get us kicked off the Twitter. Although, if you have a 12-year-old reaction video of that, we'd love to see it. <laughs> yeah, I we re- want a wrestler watching t- <laughs> three doinks, one booger. <laughs> I should. I got to say, I did record a reaction video to that back in 2007 because my friends made me watch it. Of course. I, I kept it together for the most part. I, I was just like, what the hell? Like, I was almost laughing at how bizarre it was. And I actually said at one point in the video to make them laugh, it takes me back to my days in foster care. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, as noted, every match gets plugged except for Hearts Knights because hey, sh- ain't work shown into the Photoshop just yet. And also, they're still probably trying to figure out that how that is going to work. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of scrambling at this point. But we have an, a, an important debut on the show, even though it's not in the match. Because we go down to Nashville, where Jeff Jarrett's in a recording studio. And who does he have with him? Now, I was going to ask you, because I don't... I think I know, but I'm not sure. It is who you think it is. It It, it is him, bro. No, not uh, Russo. I, thought it, I, I initially thought it might have been Vince Russo. I'm referring to the woman. Oh, is it Jacqueline? That was Jacqueline. Oh, that's splendid. She was Miss Texas down in the USWA at the time. Oh, so, I like that. I I know one of the uh, bits has Bert France, who was a longtime Memphis personality, and one of them at some point. I don't, I don't know if he's appeared yet or not. But yeah, they just used whoever was down there pretty much. And yeah, yeah so, so, we, she... so we do the whole bit with Miss Texas. And so do we know who in this bit at the recording studio with Jeff Jarrett, do we know who the guy on the guitar is? I think he's just some random dude. Just a random dude because he was being berated by Jeff Jarrett for not playing well enough. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, I'm sure it was an honor for him to be uh, berated. Got paid. It... It's such a wee. I still find the Jeff Jarrett thing very peculiar. This whole segment, once again, where it's Jeff Jarrett, like in the recording studio, saying, "I'm going to become the best wrestler and therefore the best country singer." It still seems weird. I just had a realization, and it's it's, it's unrelated to this Jarrett nonsense. We may have told John Eilert to not Photoshop three blanks on border, but what? <laughs> But what's going to stop somebody else Do you know from what? being ambitious if, enough? I mean, they might. I mean, if they do, I think we'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it. Yes, yeah, so someone's going to call their shots and think, <laughs> this is this is my opportunity. John Eilert may have been bent for this one disturbing graphic, but what if I can win them over? Do you know what? If they want to use this as an opportunity to win our hearts, then find any other way than doing that. Do not appreciate it. <laughs> Keep it clean. The P show, other than me using the F word earlier. Exactly. Do you know what time you use that, by the way, so I can edit it out accordingly? Uh, it was it was during Undertaker's uh, revelation. Right, that's fine. I can find it. 
I still love you, Missouri. You're good enough for me. <laughs> so then we end with just one last plug for the Hurt Yokozuna National Survivor Series Showdown. Show kind of moves to a crawl at the very end, and that's it. It does seem like it just hobbles along at the end because there's no wrestling. We've got a Survivor Series report. We've got a Jeff Jarrett segment. Then we got, all right, see you next time for the showdown. Bye. It was just a real limp ending to the show. Also, how many times did Vince tell the audience, Survivor Series Showdown, not to be confused with the actual Survivor Series, so don't get confused. Oh, he thinks we're idiots because he he's he did I did hear him say it a couple of times. Have you ever read the comment on on like the official Facebook page or WWE's official Facebook page from like the marks? He's not wrong to think that. It's true. Unfortunately. It's true. So we get a Survivor Series showdown next week. Uh yes, that we have Bret Hart versus Yokozuna for the world title. Doink the Clown versus Bastion Booger, Crush versus Virgil, and IRS versus Marty Jannetty, plus Rio's Roundup. So we're going to get the debut of Bruce Pritchard's latest development as well. Yes, all that and so much more. And as a special treat, as we mentioned earlier on, I think we mentioned it almost as often as Vince told us that the Survivor Series showdown isn't the actual Survivor Series. Um, we're going to do uh, a special episode, so this time next week, check in, because we will have a watch-along with the Survivor Series Showdown. It'll be you, me, and John Idley for that one, and one week after that, a Survivor Series 1993 watch-along with yourself, myself, and our good friend, Sydney Zomowitz. Sydney Zomowitz from the Cultaholic Discord is back to watch wrestling that she was not alive to witness first time round. And, and ask so many questions like why and also why. And can I leave yet? <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> you are getting two watch-alongs for the price of one, you lucky, lucky ear-owning person, you. And one is cheap, it's free, so hey, double that. Double double your, double your pleasure. Uh, so we will, you know what? We'll catch you next week with John Eiley. We'll do the Survivor Series showdown. He is at JRH writing. Feel free to tweet him and say hello. I am at Tom Campbell. You could tweet me all you like. I sometimes it's just nice to have some company. We Three are drinks, at... one booger. <laughs> oh God, we are at Cultaholic. Do not Photoshop. Three dogs, one booger. I love you. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.